Hey, it's Aiden. Let's talk about something of meaning. Today I want to look at the question, why choose creativity, connection, and community as my core themes? And before I dive in, I will just basically say that this is about living a good life. And I think that those three areas have a lot of leverage to help us really live our best life. So the question, why community? And I want to start by looking at Robert Waldinger, who is the head of the Harvard study. It's the longest study of human life and happiness. And he kind of asked the question, what does it mean to lead a good life? And their study is now 75 years long. And they have found that one of their key findings and the biggest indicator of a happy, healthy life is good relationships. So when I look at the idea of community, I think of it as being the foundation for cultivating good relationships in our lives. And my experience has definitely been consistent with that. I find that when I have a good community around me, it lifts everything else up as well. I think it's the rising tide that lifts all boats. So I want to take just a few minutes to explore some of the elements that make a good community, and then I'm going to try to give a couple of concrete ideas of how we can work to build a little more community in our lives. So, first of all, looking at the big picture, I think the the elements that help humans thrive, right? We have a sense of safety and trust, feeling supported by each other, a sense of being able to be ourselves, a sense of being able to listen to each other and share with each other, you know, laugh together. Maybe we're exploring common interests together. We're sharing food. We're celebrating. There's often music involved in a good community. Uh, I love the idea of just having shared values or common goals. Maybe we're creating something together. You know, one of my friends recently talked about how awesome it is to be part of a band just because you are all working together towards the same thing, right? When you get to the end of that concert and you all practice together and then you got up there and you performed and you did your best and, you know, the audience was there and they were part of it and we all had this incredible shared experience together. I think that's one of the uh, reasons that sports can be such a powerful community building thing, you know? Um, for me, as a, as a sports fan, I know that if I see somebody wearing the hat or the shirt of my favorite team... I've been following that team too, and we can kind of start a conversation right then and there. And we may not have anything else in common or any other reason to connect, but that shared logo actually, you know, brings us together, right? So common interests are a huge part of that. Um, I think school can be a really powerful thing if you have kids, right? If you're you're all going to the same school and you're doing uh, sporting events together or or seasonal events, things like that. I think, you know, the local coffee shop or the local bookstore or just kind of that local place to hang out is a really, really valuable place to find community and to build community. I also love the idea of getting together around the seasons. You know, we have um, a practice in our family where we like to recognize the solstice and the equinox and, and get together and really note the changing of the seasons and celebrate them in a way that feels right. And, you know, traditional cultures used to do that all the time. And I think we still see that active um, all around, even in, in modern day. And I think that's really great. 
I think there can be a really powerful multi-generational element to a good community, right? I know, you know, speaking personally, we are parents right now who have kids, you know, between the ages of 10 and 15, and the kids being able to get together and go and do their thing and kind of go disappear into the house or disappear into the yard and play with each other, and then the adults get to hang out in the kitchen or hang out around the fire and talk and have their time, I think it's equally beneficial for everybody involved. And I also think it's awesome when you can get that third generation going as well. And you have grandparents and parents and kids and everybody's kind of connecting and interacting with each other. Um, And you know, that that idea of it takes a village, there really is something that happens there when kind of a critical mass of adults gather in one place where the kids are mostly taking care of each other. But then you can also see it sort of happen when people sink in in a really good way you can see that like the kids can kind of go to any of the adults to get what they need. And it doesn't end up being a burden that falls only on the parents, but something that everybody is sharing. So, I mean, there are lots of other elements of good community, but these kind of seem like a a good starting point. And, you know, certainly things that for me personally, I have found to be uh, stuff I really, really value. You know, and I think there is, Also, the friend time, right? When you're getting together with your friends and, you know, maybe you're going and watching a movie together or you're playing video games or board games together, you know, and you just kind of have that that time. But I think one of the things that I want to highlight with community is this idea of being intentional about it, right? And the intention could be, hey, we're having a board game night together or, hey, we're going to, you know, grab some drinks and go out and play pool or whatever. But the idea of being intentional and, and being intentional around the kind of space and the kind of vibe that you want to create, I think is a really important part of this. You know, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to look a particular way, but I think looking at your own life and asking that question of like, what are the times when I really feel like I'm connecting in my community? I really feel like I have that experience of being part of something bigger than myself where I feel really safe and welcomed and included and, you know, it's okay for me to be me. And I think there's an opportunity for us to cultivate that intentionally. So let's look at three concrete steps you can take to build a little more community in your life, you know, in the next month, let's say. The first one is host something. doesn't matter what it is. It could be a board game night. It could be a dinner. Uh, You know, it could be a walk in the park, right? There's lots of different things, but host something and invite some people over, whether that's one or two people or 10 people or whatever it is, you know, just start something. Be the one to raise your hand and say, hey, I'm having a get together and I want to bring some people over, you know, and think about the elements that you want to have there that are going to make it feel good. Remember the idea, you know, think back to your own things. What makes you feel good? What makes you feel welcome somewhere, right? It should be a place that's safe. It should be a place that's fun. And I think there should be some sort of shared values and shared activity or interest. You know, that could be eating. It could be music. It could be games. It could be a walk or a bike ride. You know, it could be, um, you know, watching something together, but just having a, a reason to get together and, you know, some some ways that you're going to make it feel really good and make people feel welcome and safe when they're there and a way for it to be, you know, fun and like heartwarming, you know, like heartwarming may be a little bit too <laughs> serious an emotion, but you know, maybe there's belly laughs or maybe there's really good, you know, good vibes. So that's the first one, host something. 
Number two, build something or fix something or make something, right? We, I have had some really, really awesome experiences in my life where people just invited me over for a work party and they're like, hey, I need some help building some garden beds and we're going to get together and we're all going to build garden beds together or we're going to, you know, fix the shed in my backyard or whatever. And, you know, hey, I need some help. I want to invite some people over and, you know, I need your help for a few hours and we're going to do something and build something together. And then after I'm going to feed everybody, you know, we're going to have a nice time and we're going to relax a little bit and, you know, and and catch up and sort of celebrate and recognize this thing that we built together. Um, I love that as a way of getting together and some of my favorite memories and honestly some of my best friends have come out of just shared work like that. And then number 3 celebrate something, right? It doesn't have to be a birthday. You know, I that's where I love the seasons, right? We just had the spring equinox celebrating the coming of spring is really wonderful. The cherry blossom festival in Washington DC just happened, right? And here's, you know, the birds are coming around and you know, Easter is really a spring celebration, but just celebrate the seasons if you want, you know, or celebrate baseball opening day or, you know, we're almost done with the school year. It really doesn't matter, but just find a reason to celebrate and bring some people over and have a little celebration. So that's three ways that we can start to build a little community in our lives right away. We host something, we build something, we celebrate something. If you like this podcast, then give the Something a Meaning newsletter a try. Every Thursday, you'll get a short email with an idea, a question, a suggestion, and a quote that help cultivate creativity, connection, and community. Go to aidenyoung.com newsletter and type in your email address and give it a try. Or you can find it at somethingofmeaning.com. So let's talk about connection a little bit. You know, why did I choose connection as one of my core themes? And maybe the better question even is, what is connection? What is it that I mean when I say connection? And it's like one of those weird things. Like I heard somebody recently say, um, it was Oliver Berkman in 4,000 Weeks. He had this great uh, section of the book where he was basically talking about this idea of us trying to tell ourselves to live in the moment, you know, like really be in this moment and be present. And like that supposes that it's possible for us to be anywhere else, right? You may be in this moment thinking about the past or worrying about the future or or somewhere, you know, other than connected to and aware of what's happening around you right now. But even that sort of disconnection from our surroundings in the moment is still happening in the moment, you know, we're still thinking about back there right now you know, or thinking about what's next right now. So this idea of connection, it's a little bit of a weird thing, but to me, I kind of think of connection as being related to being grounded and integrated, right? That I am right here in this moment. I'm in my body. I feel like my, you know, my systems are regulated, right? And I am able to be myself in the way that feels the best with me. And uh, and also that connection is re- related to awareness, right? It's related to sort of being aware of how I am perceived by the world around me, how the world around me affects me, you know, that relationship, it really goes in both directions, right? The world around me is affecting my mental and emotional and psychological, physical state, and my actions and my intentions are affecting the world around me, right? So what is that relationship and what is my awareness of that relationship? There's definitely a cycle 
that occurs, right? Where we take an action and then that action has an effect in the world and we get feedback from that, right? There's some reaction from another person or from the natural world around us or, or whatever it is. And then we experience that feedback and maybe we experience thoughts and emotions and then we take another action or maybe we're reacting, right, without thinking about it too much or noticing what we're feeling. And then that has another effect and we receive feedback and on and on it goes. It's really easy for us to just get in a cycle of reactivity and a lack of awareness of this cycle. And so I think that connection... When I think of connection, it's a little bit about building up more awareness and a practice around this cycle and around becoming intentional in this cycle. And in no particular order, I think it looks more like we take actions and we receive feedback in the world and then we cultivate awareness and we reflect around the feedback we're getting. And then we also do practices that help us become grounded and integrated so that we aren't dysregulated by our actions and the feedback that's in the world. And as we become grounded and integrated and we're able to get present again and in our bodies again, we can act from intention and we can be on purpose, right? So it's like action, awareness and reflection, grounding and integration and intention. And there's lots of different ways to do that, right? But certainly cultivating awareness is one of those, you know, kind of taking time to pay attention to what the world is showing you, right? Cultivating your five senses, but also I think this is where journaling can be so helpful in the idea of looking back and reflecting and asking ourselves tough questions. Okay, what was my role in that thing today that didn't go the way that I wanted it to go? You know, was there something I could have done differently? Um, and everybody's journey is different here. I'm not going to dive too deeply into any elements of it, but I do think that the thing that I have learned at least is that connection is a skill. It's something we can practice. It's something we can improve our ability to connect with ourselves and our ability to connect with others and also our ability to connect with nature or music or whatever sort of creative muse you might have, right? Whatever your kind of passion or curiosity might be a better word, right? Because I know for those of you out there who feel like they hear that word passion and they go, oh gosh, I don't even know what my passion is. Don't even worry about that. Let's let's look at curiosity, right? What are, what are things that you're interested in that you want to explore further, right? Cultivating connection and cultivating awareness around these things makes a big difference in our lives. And the good news is that we can practice it. So to get concrete, here are three things you can start practicing that will cultivate connection in your life. Number one, for me, the morning journal has become one of the most powerful practices that I have ever come across. I have a tendency to start my day off with some sort of internal monologue to the effect of everything is the worst, I'm the worst, and this day is going to be horrible. <laughs> and uh, the the practice of doing the morning journaling is to kind of get out those psychic toxins. And for me, I've personally, I, I set a timer just for 10 minutes and I put on some music that makes me feel good and I just start writing. Um, 
I like to write on my computer just because I type so much faster than I write, but for a lot of people, writing by hand really makes a difference, and there's something about that tactile element. But spending some time every morning just to write about whatever's on your mind, and honestly, what kind of whatever the the most crappy thing is, you know? And the idea is to go through those feelings and to write them down on the page and really dig into them. And the most common thing that I find is that the feelings and the sort of internal thought process I have turns out to be somewhat ridiculous. And uh, I almost find myself laughing at it and, and shifting away from it. But other mornings, there really is something heavy there that needs to be processed. And then at least it gives me a chance to kind of look at it and go, okay, well, I guess this is the the rock that I need to move today. So that's morning pages. Really, really recommend that. And somebody recommended also doing a short meditation after that, where you just kind of focus on your breath or maybe a positive, you know, positive mantra or something like that for a few minutes to kind of help flush out that negativity and get back in your body before you move on. So that's one way to connect. Um, The second one that I have found really, really valuable is just putting into my calendar a certain amount of just unstructured time where I go for a walk or I just go sit on my back deck or something like that. It could be 10 minutes. It could be half an hour. Depends on what your schedule allows. But just scheduling in some time where I am intentionally doing nothing and I'm just letting my mind wander, I'm looking around at nature, I'm kind of connecting with what the world around me is doing and just sort of allowing that space to intentionally just be. And I find it is so valuable for my well-being but also that often some thoughts start to emerge from that that can be really, really helpful and lead to to good things. And I think that part of that is that our subconscious is sort of really good at organizing all the information that we've been exposed through um, exposed to throughout the day. And if you give yourself some time to kind of process that, some really good things can emerge. So that's number two. And number three, and number three, I'm going to call this uh, being responsible and intentional in your communication. Now, Nonviolent Communication is an excellent book and an excellent resource for sort of communication style and how to communicate effectively. But to me, it starts by being responsible for what I'm putting out into the world. And, you know, for instance, using I statements rather than you statements, you know, and the idea of, you know, walking in and being like, wow, the kitchen is really messy. I'm a little bit upset about that. Can you help me out? Rather than, oh, you guys are such slobs. I can't believe you did this, you know. And But it's so easy for us to go into that space when we're triggered by things of blaming and, and going out and um, lashing out at others. And the biggest thing is just that that's not effective. It's not an effective way to build connection with people, but it's also not a very effective way to get things done, right? Even if you get the outcome you're looking for in the short term, you often pay the price later because you have cultivated negative energy with that person, right? Which makes it harder to get along the next time and, you know, that stuff adds up. So to me, it's that idea of, you know, choosing to be really responsible and intentional about how I communicate and, when I do get triggered or I have, you know, difficult feelings and emotions because they come up for all of us all the time, you know, for me it's every day, um, 
reminding myself to be responsible for my own emotions and feelings and remove myself from the situation if I can't communicate in a way that's going to be kind and considerate to others. So that's three things that I think are really helpful when you're practicing connection. Um, One of them is I think about connection to self, right? Our morning pages, our morning journaling is about connecting to ourselves and help helping to kind of clear away psychic toxins and get ourselves into a good space. Um, Scheduling unstructured time of just kind of you know, going out and paying attention and being in the world, I think, is about connection to the world around us. And I find it often also creates emergent thoughts from our subconscious that are helpful. And then number three, in connection to others, I think just being really responsible and intentional about our communication and trying to communicate in a way that is as kind as possible. If you're a fan of the podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash something of meaning. Patrons support me on a monthly basis, starting at the price of a cup of coffee, and you get access to exclusive behind-the-scenes content and polls and listener questions and stuff like that. Plus, you're supporting me and allowing me to keep doing this work, which I love to do. Thank you all who have chosen to support me, and if you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com slash something of meaning. Let's talk about creativity. You know, I'm going to start with this. This is from... Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic. And she just says, are you considering becoming a creative person? Too late. You already are one. To even call somebody a creative person is almost laughably redundant. Creativity is the hallmark of our species. We have the senses for it. We have the curiosity for it. We have the opposable thumbs for it. We have the rhythm for it. We have the language and the excitement and the innate connection to divinity for it. If you are alive, you are a creative person. You and I and everyone you know are descended from tens of thousands of years of makers, decorators, tinkerers, storytellers, dancers, explorers, fiddlers, drummers, builders, growers, problem solvers, and embellishers. These are our common ancestors. The guardians of high culture will try to convince you that the arts belong only to a chosen few, but they are wrong and they are also annoying. We are all the chosen few. Now, maybe you hear that and you think to yourself, sure, sure, I might be creative, but I'm not an artist. And I think that that's a fine distinction to make. I think that many of us have creative elements in us, but don't necessarily consider ourselves to be artists. And I think that that's okay as well. I'm not really looking to create artists in the world, except for those of you who feel called to become artists. But I am looking to cultivate creativity And I think creativity is an essential part of who you are. But let's look at creativity a little more broadly, and let's look at it beyond the scope of just the lens of an artist. And looking at it in the bigger picture, I'm going to go to another one of my favorite authors. And this is from The Creative Act by Rick Rubin. And this chapter is entitled, Everyone is a Creator. Those who do not engage in the traditional arts might be wary of calling themselves artists. They might perceive creativity as something extraordinary or beyond their capabilities, a calling for the special few who are born with these gifts. Fortunately, that is not the case. Creativity is not a rare ability. It is not difficult to access. Creativity is a fundamental aspect of being human. It's our birthright, and it's for all of us. Creativity doesn't exclusively relate to making art, We all engage in this act on a daily basis. To create is to bring something into existence that wasn't there before. 
It could be a conversation, the solution to a problem, a note to a friend, the rearrangement of furniture in a room, a new route home to avoid a traffic jam. What you make doesn't have to be witnessed, recorded, sold, or encased in glass for it to be a work of art. Through the ordinary state of being, we're already creators in the most profound way, creating our experience of reality and composing the world we perceive. To me, creativity is a core element of our humanity. And, you know, 150 years ago, the frontier might have been the American West. Now it seems like the last frontier is every moment of our attention. And you look at what having phones that connect us to the internet in our pocket has done to our ability to be entertained all the time. And it becomes more important than ever that we are intentional about choosing to create in the world rather than just consume, consume, consume. You know, I remember being a kid and being bored. And nowadays, the idea of boredom is really, really foreign. But the quality of what I'm consuming can just be really, really low. And I find that my life just goes so much better when I'm making sure that I have creativity as a core part of my practice, right? Because how we spend our days, that is our life, right? And the reason for doing this for me is that, you know, productivity is one thing, but how are you living? How are you feeling? You know, what is making you happy? What is the satisfaction you're getting from your life? And what are the practices that are going to lead to that? And I think creativity is one of those core practices. So three ways to be creative. If you are a musician or an artist or a photographer or a writer, practice. Even if it's five minutes a day, give yourself that five minutes and find whatever time you have that you are comfortable making and carve that time out in your life to practice your creativity, whatever that pursuit is. And if it's not so obvious an artistic pursuit, think about the elements in your life that cause you to get in touch with your creativity, right? That cause you to be reflective or to have insights or ideas that pop up, that inspire you, that give you energy. Think of the times when the hair stood up on the back of your neck, right? Think of the times when you got really excited. Think of the things you do where time disappears and you just feel like you're in the moment. And man, I could do this for hours. I can't believe I just did that. You know, that was so much fun. That is probably a good indicator of where your creative sources come from. Second, I would say create some space in your life for play, for improvisation, for silliness, right? Don't take things too seriously. Let yourself have a little bit of fun in whatever way that looks. You know, there's so many forms that that can take, but I think humor can be part of it. Play, certainly dance, movement, right? There's so many ways that we can just kind of get ourselves back in our body and allow ourselves to just have a little fun in the moment. I think that's a really important way to cultivate creativity. And the third one that I'll bring up is cooking. If cooking is already 
a regular part of your routine, try new recipes, right? Get out there and try some things that you always thought were interesting, but you're afraid you're going to do a bad job. Yeah, go do it. Do a bad job. Who cares, right? Like, let's have some fun with it. It's okay for us not to be at our best all the time. It's okay for us to play with things and to make things happen, right? To make a mess, to create something and then learn from it and then maybe go and do it again, you know? If you're one of those people that really wants to get great results from everything you do, maybe pick a new re- uh, new recipe and commit to doing that recipe every week for a month, you know? And maybe by that fourth time that you make it, it will be up to your standards. But get out there and cook something and try something, you know? And if you're one of those people that is afraid you're going to burn the water when you're trying to boil water for pasta, you know, there are so many great resources out there on cooking basics these days, you know, on YouTube or just online. There's so much free stuff out there. Go and give it a try. It's fun. It's, you know, it can turn out really, really great. You might surprise yourself. And cooking is a really practical way that we can explore the creative process and have something delicious or not to show for it. I'm going to close today by sharing my original song, La Vie Continue, which is a bossa nova that I wrote, and I wrote it specifically to try to expand my own horizons and explore some unfamiliar territory, both in the style of music that I was playing and also the language that I wrote in. Hope you enjoy it. La vie continue Ocean wild Tides and waves of blue ebb and flow Enveloped in your depths Wind wild Swaying over winter nights, rustling, whispering poems and lullabies. Love See you, Papa, and I do 
This has been a production of Stellaria Media and Aiden Young. Original music and lyrics by Aiden Young. To learn more, go to somethingofmeaning.com.